Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Core podcast alongside the SDR Disco Core vidcast. So if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please give us a rating and subscribe. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please like, comment and subscribe as well. But today's guest, I've been looking forward to uh, speaking to this person for quite a while. It's been a while. It's been a couple of months and a lot has changed since we last spoke. But I'd love to introduce Elise Malik. Elise, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, and great to be here. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, so, Elise, for the listeners and for the watchers out there, could you tell us who are you, where are you based in the world, uh, where do you work, and what do you do? Yeah, hi, everyone. My name's Elise. Um, I'm currently working as an SDR at Passforce. I know salespeople love giving a pitch about their products, but I'll, I'll keep it short. But basically, <laughs> we're red tech based in London. And essentially, we're automating compliance processes for financial services. So if you're thinking about all the Revoluts, the Monzos, the Tides in the world, we're basically helping them onboard their customers as quick as possible, ensuring compliance efficiency without compromising customer experience journeys. What a lovely pitch. Thank you so much, Elise. And just out of curiosity, what are the type of personas or the characters that you speak to when you're trying to sell a passport? Um, there's loads. I think I think people will be kind of shocked to hear that we don't actually like to sell to compliance people. We 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 usually speak to a lot of other people in the business, like product um, or operational people, and then obviously the C-suite as well. But I think our platform is able to um, help with a lot of other projects outside of just compliance. We're able to help with that operational efficiency. We're able to help those product teams focus on their own product instead of having to build out compliance automation um, or risk tools. So yeah, a lot of the people we speak to, um, you'd be surprised. We obviously do speak to compliance people, but we are also speaking to those product and operational people within fintechs, financial services across the globe. Right. Thank you so much. And that gives some good context into the world that you're, you know, you're currently selling into and reaching out to that, which is great. Um, and outside of like SDRing in the world of sales development, like whereabouts in the world are you? What things do you like to get up to and kind of what really like gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, so currently based in central London, um, I am originally from Ireland um, in Dublin. So I moved over to London about two years ago and um, outside of work um I'd have to say I love to travel. I know that's been a bit swayed from COVID and lockdown, but um, I really do like to travel. I've got, I've been trying to hit my 40 countries before I turned 40, so I've, I've just hit 35. So I think I'm, wow. actually, I'm on a good, I'm on a good road to it. Um, and then I've also bought a puppy over COVID, so I've got a COVID puppy that uh. requires all my attention all the time. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, and also, like before we uh, recorded this podcast, we've got some mutual friends as well. So uh, for Killian and for um, Sean Madigan out there, shouts out to those guys. Um, had some good times with them. And finally, lovely to meet you again, Elise. Um, so Elise, looking uh, as we do. So again, if you're watching this on our YouTube for our vidcast, uh, we're just about to share our screen uh, for the listeners out there. 
we're looking at your LinkedIn profile. And you've got quite an interesting journey that isn't exactly, you know, uh, the sales background. And we've had a lot of guests that have come from different industries uh, and different walks of life. Um, and what I noticed looking at your LinkedIn profile is, uh, let's have a look here. So you're somebody that's uh, obviously, like you said, Trinity College of Dublin. Um, you've done the Harvard Business School online. And that's something I want to come back to a little later on, because it was something I was looking at during lockdown. Uh, but you've been a BDR uh, working at HackerX. Then you've become a physiotherapist and an ergonomic consultant working at Google, one of those big tech giants. Uh, then a physio in Cisco, physio for Udemy, physio for Croydon Health NHS Trust, a partnerships uh, manager at Hyde Events Inc., and then the world of SaaS as a BDR. So, Elise, in your own words, could you walk us through, like, from you know, from days of Dublin to like how you got to where you are today, Miss? Yeah, for sure. Without boring everybody, because the story is very, very long. But um, when I graduated, like out of secondary school in Ireland, I think I wanted to go into like uh, just to give you the background of why I actually chose to go into physiotherapy. I, as cliche as it sounds, I really wanted to help people, and I thought that's what a career in healthcare would provide for me. So, um, I studied four years in physiotherapy there, and then spent. Um, I got my first job at Google as a physiotherapist ergonomics consultant which is basically helping the the google employees they they've got everything on campus free food free doctor free physio mm. so um yeah i was working with the employees across the EMEA offices um also did a similar role in a couple of other corporations like udemy and cisco um but while i was working there um and then also spending some time also working in the NHS in the public sector of, of doing healthcare. I I really enjoy like that customer facing role and being in physiotherapy is still a customer facing role because you're working with patients on a day to day basis. But mm. I, I felt like the healthcare system was slightly broken and I was able to help maybe one or two patients a day, but I wasn't able to help people at scale. So I thought yeah. the best way to, to, to kind of help with that is learn a lot about tech. Um, and then on the other side of it, I think physiotherapy, I think you do a lot of the learning within the four years of your degree. And then once you've actually graduated, you're just kind of becoming an expert in what I, what you already know instead of growing and, and learning new things. So I felt like I wanted something that didn't have a ceiling effect over it. I wanted a career where I was constantly able to grow, constantly able to progress. And um, so I, I thought the best place to learn more and, and, and grow more is within startups. Um, so that's when I took the leap and, and I joined a company called Hired Events, which was um, basically an event tech platform that, that, that put on events for software developers. And there was only about four people in the business at the time. So I was wearing a lot of different hats. I was doing all the, the sales, the marketing, the operational stuff. But I think the part that I liked the most was again, that customer facing side um, mm. of sales and um, being able to speak to loads of people convincing them to come to the event and I think that's what I was probably most good at as well within the role so um I, I it was obviously an events business during COVID didn't go that well so I decided yeah. to, to jump from that and at that point I felt like I was lacking in my business skills or my business knowledge and, and that's yeah. when I wanted to I was also a bit confused as to what I wanted to do next but that's why I, I chose to do that pre-MBA course at Harvard because I thought that's maybe what I wanted to do but it was a really useful um, course where I picked up lots of things about financial accounting economics like statistics all that kind of stuff that is very very useful when working in the business world 
Um, and then I applied to a couple of businesses um, like Passport. So I was really looking for those early stage startups because I think mm. that's where you can make the most difference and that's where you can do the most learning. So I was looking for those smaller startups that I thought were going to be very successful. So I think RegTech is a space that is, is about to erupt and we've already seen financial services and the fintech industry moving quite quickly. So RegTech is just um, ensuring that those fintechs are digitally transforming at the same time. So that's how I ended up at Passport and how mm. I've um, taken that leap from healthcare into sales. Wow, that is such a cool story. And there are so many different levels of that that I'd love to you know elaborate a bit further on. So, you know, admirably, you had that passion of wanting to help people uh, and then going into healthcare and physio and taking those four years uh, to study towards that. And then, you know, being introduced to the likes of Google, right? So, again, with a lot of us, I, I've done it myself. I've worked in like local government. I've worked in logistics. I've worked at events. I've done stuff, loads of different stuff. And it's always been because I want to help other people that need that support, right? Um, so like with that time studying, uh, and then going into your first tech experience, which could be classed as Google, right? You could maybe say that was the beginning of that tech life. What was it like rocking up to Google and working with a big org like that? What's it like? Yeah, for sure. That was definitely my experience of how the other side lives because I'd spent four years kind of studying in a hospital, like public hospitals where I was just working as a physio. And then um, obviously getting an opportunity like Google, I, I sprung at the chance of it, even though all my friends in college were going out to work in hospitals. They didn't really understand why I wanted to work for Google. But um, outside of all the free food and the nap pods and, and the ridiculous offices and the free gym and everything you can imagine. Um, I think for me to see how that side of the world's these tech people and not just tech because Google's made up of like thousands of different teams, like yeah. whether that's within the commercial side or the technical side, just, just seeing the way they could build all these various products. Like if you, if you think of Google, you think about basically everything like, yeah. you know, you've got not only just that Google search that we're all searching those, you know, I've got some symptoms. I'm searching that up on Google straight <laughs> away, but Google maps, like, can you think of a time where when you went on holidays, how did people get around without Google maps? Because I, yeah. can't, I can't imagine not having that on me. And, at all times. So I think that was definitely my first taste of technology and how how global that was because we were working with people all across EMEA, but the teams were quite interconnected with the states as well. So mm. I couldn't believe that one person or these two guys had created this one product that has multi products coming off of it um, and how much of a difference it made to people's lives. Like we have to be honest, like Google has saved thousands of inefficiencies that we have had and um, so yeah I think I think it was really eye-opening for me especially working from coming from the public healthcare to working in Google but just seeing the lifestyle just seeing the way people were constantly growing learning and building new things uh, mm. was exciting and I, I wanted to be a part of that in in a, in, a, in a more commercial side rather than the healthcare side of things. I love that. And a question that I'd love to ask is, so like, you know, you took these um, four years of studying and admittedly, we have a lot of graduates now that now listen to the show if they're contemplating a life in tech career. And, you know, we take pivots from our learning and then going into our working life. What was going through the mind of Eliza Malik when she said, okay, well, I've studied for four years, but I'm thinking of completely changing industry. Like, what was going through your mind and how did you wrestle with that? Yeah, so... 
it was a difficult one because I also come from a family of, um, they're all doctors, like my brother and my sister are a doctor, my dad's a doctor. Um, they're, they're very much focused on that education side of things. Like you either move into accounting, engineering or medicine. There's, there's not really anything outside of it because they haven't seen that. So when I said that, I think they all thought I, I was crazy. And <laughs> I, 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 listened to other, I listened to my family's opinions quite a bit. So I was like, am I going crazy? Like, am I actually going crazy? But I think I was actually quite confident that it was a good move for me because um, a lot of my friends work in tech um, and a, a lot of people that I'd be speaking to would be working in that space. And when listening to them, I was like, that is very much something I want to do. Like, I don't get that excitement of going into work every single day and being like, I'm feeling feeling challenged or I'm actually going to help this startup go from, you know, this really small business to becoming like a series A or a series B funding. I think all that stuff that I was hearing from my friends was really exciting. And when I when I took that pivot, and it was just before COVID, I didn't know COVID was going to hit and it was going to be mm. impossible for me to get a job. Um, but even just studying that course and that pre-MBA at Harvard, I was like, this is very much something I want to do. This is very much something I want to get really, really good at and, and move into that space. And I think healthcare is something I'm not ever going to let go of, though. I think, like, you're right, those four years I spent studying that is really really valuable and I'll always have that to fall back on but I think if I'm talking like long-term future I'd love to mix that healthcare and technology mm. experience together and, and, and do something with that. 100% and I, I think that's a really good story and experience to go through because again a lot of people that are going to listen and watch into this they may be going through that transition and figuring out because I think in the last year since COVID and we've had this whole topic of the great resignation being an SDR manager, I've seen a lot of people that have come from different walks of life, different working industries are now coming into tech sales and they're intrigued by it, you know, but there's always those notions of what family say. And I can relate that to an extent <clears throat> coming from a Bangladeshi Asian family, you either become a doctor, you become, you know, an accountant or you go off to university and get that degree. Uh, and I didn't follow that route. And my parents were not happy with me because I didn't. And I said, oh, there's this thing about startups. And they're like, what the hell's a startup? <laughs> they're like, Neil, like, you need to get a secure job with a pension and make sure you're safe and think about like where you're going to be in 10 years. I was like, I'm thinking about where I'm going to be next year. I'm not thinking about that far in advance, but I want to do something that excites me. That's interesting. And I'm a geek at heart. So why can't I marry the two together, you know? Um, but then also, like you say, speaking to other friends that were going through that and they had that experience hearing what they're talking about and then coming to an informed decision as to, do you know what, maybe this is like, like for me and this is kind of what I want to do. And, you know, being at the forefront of a startup, uh, helping them grow, helping them go through those series A's, B's and C's and one day, you know, becoming a public company. Um, but I really like that side where you say, you know, you're never going to let it go because you spent those four years studying and you still have an interest in it. And I've seen in the last year, healthcare tech companies are growing like mad. Like even in the company that I'm working for, that's a big target market for us uh, in terms of prospects. So yeah, who knows in, in the future, you may be running your own healthcare tech company. You never know. Um, but that's also a question that I wanted to dive into. So a lot of um, people that I've spoken to or met on this show, they've lived that corporate life and then they've gone for a startup life. And a lot of people may see that as risky, right? Because corporate gives you that security, that financial like stuff that you need uh, and a long-term career. Whilst, you know, startups uh, can be very volatile and a lot of them do fail as well. 
what was going through your mind when you're thinking of should I live this corp life or should I live this startup life? What was like pushing you behind to go startup? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different reasons, but I think the biggest one is the impact that you make at startups versus a corporation. Don't get me wrong, like of course every person matters in a corporation and they're doing their day job, but essentially sometimes you can get into just that being another number in, the, mm. in that massive corporation of thousands of employees around the world. Um, and, and you can be doing a role, but but you're doing a role that's very much laid out to you and you're just kind of going along with it. Whereas within the startup world and what I've experienced at my time at Passport is, is that there is so much more opportunity to grow, learn and build as well. So when you're in a startup, there's no processes in place. There's no, mm. there's no real right way or wrong way to do anything. And I think that's what kind of excited me about the startup world is that I can actually add value to this team, to this organization, not just what I do every single day. So I think that's the part that excites me the most about startup. Like, yes, it, it is a little bit riskier, but if we look at the, the, the entire economics of the, the whole world, really, like startups are so exciting and they're, they're, they're revolutionizing the, the entire space. So I think what, what the idea of what a startup used to be before could have been risky, but now it's like, you know, it's a really exciting place to get into and it's the best place to be if you want to constantly be learning and, and given those opportunities to grow. Absolutely, 100% agree. And it's one hell of a ride. I've done it about 11 times and I'm addicted to it. Uh, so I can 100% agree with you. And I remember like um, a couple of months back when we was having like our introductory chat about this show and coming on board, like uh, one of the topics that you did want to discuss is like women within tech sales and working with this industry. And I was speaking to a guest a few weeks ago, um, Claire Kelly, where she's a big advocate for women in tech. Um, and she said, you know, historically, she saw a lot of like sales being predominantly a male based industry or run industry. Um, and there are a lot of great inspirational tech where leaders out there, female leaders. And I just wanted to know, like, what's your take on tech women and like how the industry is evolving? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And, and, and I love speaking about it because um, at Passport, where I'm currently at, the, I started off to be the only girl in the commercial team um, and mm. I'm currently still the only girl on the sales team, um, which I think people think might be difficult, but I think it's actually just been a better opportunity for me to show that girls can very much do the same role as, as men. Because if you think of sales, I think traditionally everyone thinks of like, Wolf of Wall Street and a bunch of guys on phones, <laughs> like, you know, and, and we've moved so far away from that. And I think especially working in the SaaS space, when you're trying to sell a SaaS solution or you're trying to sell something like compliance, like that stuff just doesn't work as much anymore. And it is much more of a strategic sale. So I think my biggest thing would be is that like, it is very much a space for women to get into. It's just about how we, how we present that to, to growing women in our, in our world. So I think when we're coming out of uni, there's so many other things that women look to do, but if we're able to advocate for women in sales, I think we'll definitely see more of them. And this is me being biased, but I think women can definitely do um, the job just as good or even better in some cases than, than men within the sales space. So um, I think, yeah, definitely for girls that are coming out of uni or even not going to uni and trying to pick a, a career, I think sales is one where you will pick up so many transferable skills for whatever you want to do afterwards um, mm. that, that they should definitely give it a shot. Absolutely, 100% agree. And thinking back on my career, like some of the sales, female sales leaders that I work like my first SDR manager, Kat Basilicus, if you're watching, 
she was like my sales mum. She took this young pup who like, really didn't know what the hell he wanted to do with his career and told me all the things that I could achieve. And I always went to her advice. And then Celine Vincent, uh, another SDR manager that I had, um, if you look at Jill Conrath, like again, guest speakers, um, if you look at Trish Batuzzi, like who built the SDR playbook book, there are so many inspirational uh, female leaders out there and women that work in tech. Um, and the way, and again, another shout out to Ariana Von Rep. She was the first AE that taught me how to be an AE. I don't know where I'd be without these ladies um, within my life. And I agree, like, again, treat, being treated equally, like women and men can do the job. It's just like, you know, that passion to progress within your career, make an impact, make a difference and doing it together as a team, um, regardless of like background and where people have come from. So 100% on board with it as well. Um, and that's the thing, like if there are any, you know, people listening to this, they're currently in uni and they're contemplating a tech career, but they're a bit scared. What advice would you give to them, Elisa? I think, I think when you come out of uni, I think it's actually quite difficult because we're put into, we're, we're chose, we're told to choose our, our career for our entire future at such a, such a young age. Like if you're thinking back to like 17 year old Elisa or 17 year old Neil, like we don't really know what we want to do for the rest of our lives. So we, no. can all, we can all, you know, go into courses like I did physiotherapy or some people, you know, they do biology or they do accounting and they realize actually this is not for me. So I think to think about it, it can be scary that you might move into something that you didn't study. But I'd say I, I'd say the biggest thing about sales is is that it is one of the best jobs to start off in if if you are looking for a job in tech. And I'm I'm not saying that just because I'm in it. I think the skills that you gain within within a sales role are, are are very useful for whatever role you want to move into. Whether that's if you want to move into a product role customer success role, marketing role. I think I think salespeople, without saying it, we wear quite a few different types of hats. Like a, a, sometimes, you know, we are we are those people that are speaking to our customers first. We, we are able to take all that customer insight and feed it back to product. So I think, yeah, I think sales is, is such a good place and it's specifically that SDR role who are those first line of people that our customers speak to um, mm. is, is a really exciting and, and, and it's really, it's a very much like, I don't know how to say it, but like a, a role that gives you a lot of growth potential for when moving into tech. So I'd say it's a very good role for anyone coming out of uni. Amen to that. A hundred percent agree. Thank you so much for that. Um, and before we like, we jump into like passport, because again, you was like one of those founding SDRs in here, but you said like you did that online course, um, just get, get it. So the Harvard business school online. <clears throat> and the reason why I wanted to bring this up was this is something I was potentially looking at, uh, last year when we went into lockdown, because at a period where I wasn't working and I was rebuilding happy selling and thinking about this podcast and I thought, okay maybe I could go for it. And again, because I got really busy with this and business life and et cetera, I just didn't get around to it. But what was the Harvard Business School Online course about? How did you find it? And what did you gain out of it? Yeah, so essentially how it's pitched is, is that it's a pre-MBA course for people who don't really have a background in business. So when you're when you're applying for an MBA, like an MBA is the full shebang, it's got loads of stuff going on and it, it can be quite scary when you're applying for something like that when you've got no experience. So um, how it's pitched is, is that it's that pre-MBA course to get you those 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 basics in about those those core three principles about business. So there, it's built up of I think three modules, which is financial accounting and economics, and I think it's the statistics or or something like that. And um, in math, maths, and um, and basically it's 
it's a very, very intense, like I, I can't remember how many weeks it is, but it's a very intense online program where you have weekly learnings and you have weekly exams and weekly tasks. And the, the thing about Harvard is, is they try to make it very, um, cause obviously people go to Harvard, not only just for the MBA, but also for the network. Yeah. So a lot of people do an MBA at Harvard for that network that you come out with afterwards. So they try to replicate that online, which was great. So there's a lot of interaction between you and all these other people that are doing the same course as you around the world, which I thought was really good. So every time you do a test or every time you guys do a task, people comment and rate how you did. So they, mm. they're the ones that are actually marking you. And, and it's great because you get loads of insight to, into what these other people are thinking. And, and people range from like the age of like 20 all the way to 60. I think there was people that were 60 years old in that course. And, um, and that's what's kind of great about it because you're, you're able to learn so much from that, that massive demographic of people. And um, what I will say is, is it's really good for people who don't have a business background. So mm. if, you've, if you've already got some sort of business background, maybe it's, it's not the right thing for you and you need something one level up. Um, cause I did, I did financial accounting for my, leaving cert which is like your a-level equivalent and um, so i had learned a lot of that stuff before but it was great for me because i had refreshed it because that was stuff that i had learned like eight or nine years ago and um, but i think for anyone who's looking for something to to gain that basic knowledge of all these things it's excellent and across all the different models it's really really good for someone who's got got a little bit more business acumen i would think of maybe looking for something one level up uh this and and i don't know what that would be but i think after doing like massive research of loads of courses this is the one that i thought was most suited to what i needed at that time perfect thank you so much for sharing and for the listeners and watchers i'm going to put the link in for the harvard business school online for anybody that's interested and wants to check it out um again it's something i do you know what i'm going to say i'm not going to say I'm not going to do it. I am going to do it. I just don't know when. when? I know at some point I will do it in my lifetime uh, when I get a bit of free time, which is limited. <laughs> but um, coming back to like Passport. So again, you're like one of the founding like, SDRs on that team. I remember you telling me you're wearing multiple hats. What was going through Elise's mind of joining this SaaS business, coming out of that physio world and now working in the world of tech? What were those first few months like? So when I joined Password, which, which is just over a year ago, and um, the sales team was made up of two ADRs and two and a half ADRs and, and two account executives, um, there was not much process in place. And I was very much thrown into the deep end of, of what I should be doing on a daily basis. Like I was asked to make my first call on my first day. And, and, and for someone who's all in sales, this might be normal, but I had never really worked in a full sales role. Like I'd worked at hired events, but I was doing more automation outreach whereas this was like okay Elise go reach out to these companies and mm. let's see how you get on and I think what was great about that is that the team they, they put a lot of trust in me and I think that's what made me be successful so they trusted mm. that I was going to be able to do this job um, and, and that's and, and to be honest the, the sales team at Passport it's it's probably one that you've probably not heard before, but we are very, very collaborative. Like there is a real family sense to it. Like mm. we all actually want to help each other. So I've had amazing mentors that are my AEs and 
like the A's at Passport, a, a shout out to Ollie Malmed, um, who works there right now. Um, and I've, I've, I learned so much from the people that I was working around that I think I'm a fast learner as well. So I wanted to be really good at everything really fast. So I wanted to spend that extra amount of time in the evenings to learn absolutely everything about what we do and so that I could be able to be best at the job. So at the beginning, it was a lot of me just trying to not drown um, in, mm. in what I needed to do. But I think over the months, I've really I've really figured out what works well for me and, and, and what works well for the business. So we're actually growing really, really fast. We're currently hiring for a lot of SDRs as well. So if anyone's looking for a role, but um, we're, we're, we've grown really, really quickly. And, and I think what's great is I've been given that opportunity to help new ADRs. So we've now mm. got a team of six ADRs and we're, we're wow. growing that up to 11. So um, I've been I've been a part of that onboarding and training journey and interview process of all the new ADRs that we have brought on, um, which is great. Like it's great learning for me, but it's also um, it, it's it's great to be able to give back and help the team. So I, I maybe was not given those resources in that onboarding process. And mm -hmm. I want to make sure that these SDRs are as successful as they can be as quick as possible so um yeah it's been a, it's been a wild journey from not not knowing a, a, how to do anything and then training up new adrs in the space but i think that's what's so exciting about a, a startup is that i was able to have that opportunity to grow as a salesperson and be successful absolutely love that <clears throat> and i think uh, the reason why like going back to your piece of why getting into tech sales or why getting into like this sort of career is that um, personal development that you gain in a shorter space of time, perhaps you would say in a corporate life. So like being one of those first um, SDRs on the ground, like not having many resources, everything having to be built from scratch, being asked to do your first calling on a day that you've never done calling before, but having that great, you know, uh, support network of account executives, other people working in there, helping you, mentoring you. Um, and then seeing the next wave of like SDRs coming through, helping them on board, giving them the time, giving them resources, um, because equally they're going to be the people that are going to help the next wave come on as well. But you said some really interesting things where you were saying like, you know, you really wanted to be like best at your craft, you know, so you were taking some times in the evening to like read up on stuff as to what you do, how do you position it? Um, what tips would you give to like, say a newbie that's just come into a company because, there could be two sides of the coin to this. One is, okay, this is a job. And when I have those eight hour working days, I do as much and I learn. And then when I go home, I just switch off on the weekend. Work doesn't exist. And I, I'm like that sometimes as well. But equally, uh, to upskill yourself, this is stuff that you do in your sometimes personal time. Like, how did you have that balance? And how did you, you know, how did you self learn? Yeah, I'm definitely not promoting working in the evenings on the weekends. And I know work-life balance is really, really important. But as a new SDR and coming into that tech and startup space, I think if you're able to nail those first four months and you have to work a little bit harder than everybody else in those first four months, you will see the success and that will make your life so much easier for the next couple of months after that. So I think... I'm a person that likes to, I like to learn about everything I talk about, if that makes sense. Like I, I want to know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't want to sell you something that I don't know anything about just for the sake of it. So I, I spent those first few months really understanding what our product does, what value it adds and what problem we're solving for. So I think the biggest thing that I say to all the new ADRs at Passport is, is that 
just take that time out to fully understand what our platform does. And yes, the platform is really complex and there's loads of tech to it. But if you just understand what problems we're solving for, what value are we going to add to a customer and what customers we're actually looking to speak to, your outreach is going to get so much better. Your discovery calls are going to get so much better. Um, so that's one of the things that I I, I I'm a broken record. I'm just always talking about, you know, yes, as you as you're working in the space, obviously you gain more product knowledge and you gain more industry knowledge. But if you're able to kickstart that with spending that little bit of more time fully understanding what kind of product you're trying to sell, um, it's going to help you further down the line in various various SDR activities. 100% agree. And um, it must be cool though, Elise, like you've been here, like you said, like a year and a half and you're seeing this new wave of people that are trying to get it. They're trying to onboard. Like what goes through your mind thinking, okay, that's where I once was and now I'm seeing them go through it. Like what, what cup springs to mind? Yeah, I, I actually, it's a good question because I never sit down and, and compare myself to the people coming on because I think password is at such a different stage as to what it was when I started so that's that's within the commercial side but also when I started we didn't really have much of a marketing team like we had one person and, and now we've got like 10 and we've got a chief marketing officer and um, so when I was working it was me like anyone I reached out to I was essentially also doing the marketing of password at the same time whereas now we're going to like massive events like money 2020 in Amsterdam where we're going to all these massive events so I think that ADR role has has changed so much and even my short space of being here which is obviously really exciting and just shows how quick passport is growing but yeah i do i do think about i do look at them and think about them most of the sdrs that we've brought on do actually have previous sales experience and some oh, of them yeah. have, some of them have no sales experience and have come out of uni and it's interesting to see how how they all work because I think, again, like I said, sales is such an evolving industry, like what might have worked in sales 10 years ago doesn't really work today. Or, or if it does, we need to like we need a hybrid approach of traditional sales and modern sales. So mm. I think it's nice to see that in the ADRs because the people out of uni are very much looking to those modern sales approaches and the people who may have had previous uh, roles within sales are very much in that cold calling space. And, and that's how they think sales works. So I think. The great thing about Password is, is it's not it, it's not like a traditional sales process. It's very much a strategic sales, so it requires you to have a lot of more skills than than what traditionally we thought salespeople needed. I think that's pretty cool, and it, it's it's re, it's quite cool that you say that in the sense of you know traditional sales and more modern sales. That's one of the reasons I got this show on because I used to say like the advice I give as a sales trainer, what worked for me like a decade ago may not work today. So I'm very curious to know like what tricks and tips or like tactics or strategic ways people use prospecting today, uh, like having yourself on the show. I'd say like what are your like cool tips and tricks that you give like when you're trying to prospect, Elise, or like that the advice that you give out to your reps? Um, yeah, so I think there's there's loads, um, but I think the most important one, and I think the one that I found most successful is the power of social selling. So, you mm. know, these social platforms were probably not around, or they were around, but they weren't as hyped up as they are today. Like if we yeah. take LinkedIn, for example, and even then Facebook, Instagram, all, all that, et cetera, TikTok, I've seen thousands of startups on TikToks and yeah. Ryan Ryanair putting up funny TikToks all the time. So um, I think the power of social selling is really really important in today's modern approach to sales so 
if I think about my own outreach and my own prospecting, I think 95% of the meetings I book are through LinkedIn. Um, and, and it makes sense because we're all, we're all living in a digital world where it's so much easier to connect with someone when you, they have a profile, you know that they're a real person, you're not sending them long, lengthy emails, like you're just sending them a LinkedIn message. It's way more personable. Um, and, and LinkedIn gives you so much other things like research, like platforms that you can follow, you can follow company pages, you can keep up to date with exactly what that person is doing. Like, obviously, the fine balance between being creepy and obsessed with your, <laughs> with your prospects which can sometimes happen like sometimes yeah. i'm following one of my prospects for for weeks and days so but it is i think the power of that tool is is really really good and if we are able to which i need to also get better at is build our own personal brand um across through that social selling outlet well i think that is one of the best ways for new adrs to be successful Hundred percent, and with a personal brand, this is something which is spoken a lot um, on LinkedIn. And you know, there are great people like Tom Boston. You got Sophie Allen, um, who are building great personal brands. And I think what was going through my head last year was I had no idea what the hell they meant by personal brand. You know, um, and I even got cited by somebody uh, on LinkedIn where they put say like people with great personal brands. People look at people like Neil and Happy Selling. I was like, am I one of those people? I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I thought about it a bit more and I just thought, well, my personal brand is the way I put it is just the way that I interact with people, you know? So again, 90% of the people that I've done business with or get guests on the show, I've sourced from Instagram. I haven't sourced it from LinkedIn, but um, because I, in my music life, I'm all over social media. I've, I've learned how to pitch myself as a, as a service. And I learned that from working in a tech startup, you know, how to market it, how to like get people engaged and how to create video content. Um, and a lot of the time people used to say to me like, Neil, you do so much, like you do music, you do tech sales, you do podcasts, you do this. like, what, what's going on with you? And I said, that's my personal brand. That's just what I'm about. I'm a online person. Um, and like, even when I do SDR training, I, I tell people it's like, you know, gone are the days where we have business cards at events and we're handing it over. Most times they're like, okay, so what's your LinkedIn? You know, like add me up on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. And it'll go further onto Instagram. And like, when I speak to SDRs and we're talking about multi-channel approaches, such as emails, calls, LinkedIn, um, I say to them, okay, what other things are you trying? They look at me like, what other things should I be trying? I said, there's Zing, there's, uh, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. Yeah, but these are personal. I said, well, I've got four different business profiles on those platforms. So I, that's how I reach out to people. Um, and that's, I think, I guess the way that I've built my personal brand, the aesthetics and the looks of it, that's been helped with marketeers, et cetera. But we have companies that will help SDRs to promote themselves more so socially and help with those images and looks. But yeah, the easiest way to connect with people digitally, especially through the pandemic, I think that's the reason why we started seeing sales trainers go on to TikTok. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I would do that, but <clears throat> it's because we're all locked down and we was in front of these devices. This was the only way we could connect with people because we couldn't go into an office. So, uh, and again, that's the reason I started this podcast. It was just another facet of my personal brand of wanting to connect and talk to people and like, you know, meeting people such as yourself. So I think, yeah, personal brand is big. I had no idea what the hell it meant and I kind of get it now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. Um, and before like we come towards the end of the show, Lise, like um, when we connected a few months back, predominantly most SDRs will come into this role because they want to go into a closing role. But we do know there are other, other avenues and you had kind of a bit of a change of heart as to where your head was at a couple of months back and kind of where you're going now. Would you mind talking a bit to that? Yeah, so 
I think, yeah, I was very much the same. And a couple of months back when I was in that SDR role, I was looking to just become an account executive and I was working towards that. I was trying to build strategies of how I'd be a better closer. I was watching videos on how to negotiate, how to close those deals. And I think, I think when you're in the role, you think that's the only way you can go next. Like that's the only way up. And I, I think because I'm a person that wants to constantly grow, I was just, I was blinded and I just wanted to look up at an account executive role. Um, but I've, I've t- decided to take a different route. So I'm actually transitioning into an account management role at oh. Passport um, within the next month. And, and there's a couple of different reasons why I, why I chose that route. But what, one of the biggest ones was, is that I, I understand that I want to stay in the commercial side of uh, the business because I think that's what I'm good at and I love talking to customers and I love all of that. But I think I wanted to have a little bit more strategy involved in my day-to-day job. So what I mean by that is I wanted to be able to use all that knowledge I have about the customer, Mm. about the product and about sales and mash it into one. And I think that's what the account management role kind of gives to me. It's it's me being able to convey my customers' problems back to my product team, convey what product is going to then do, what's on the product roadmap, what are we able to do for this customer, um, and then also use all those scale skills that I have picked up while, while working as an SDR. Um, and, and that's kind of what excites me. I just, I want to, again, constantly be learning. So I think an account management role allows me to be able to do that. I get to be way more involved in those product conversations. I get to be way more involved with customer success. And then, of course, the customer, I think, what really excites me is um, as an SDR, obviously, we have that relationship building side or those initial conversations, but we don't get enough time to actually build that relationship. Whereas when you have a customer already, and I think there's loads of stats to say that customers are like 80% more likely to buy off you if they've already previously bought off you. So, yep. of course, it does make that bit a little bit easier when I am doing that upselling. Um, but again, I just I like the idea of being able to build that relationship with that customer like. And once you've built that relationship, I'm fully able to get that insight in how is Passport solving your problem? How are we to ha- how are we able to help you a little bit further? And how are we going to use technology and products to help you further? So, um, yeah, currently I'm, I've decided to go into that. And I think what's really exciting is I've been I've been blessed and I've been given the opportunity to be the first account manager at Passport. So that also excites me because I get to you know, use all that skills of building processes, building a team around me. And, and yeah, I think, I think for now account management is what I very much want to want to do, but, um, in the back of your mind, you still do think, do I want to be a closer? But I think, like I said, a job within sales, you've got so many opportunities to move into anything you really want to afterwards. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. And I've, I've lived that life. I think, um, a lot of listeners and watchers, uh, knows my story of like, working at Showpad, become being an AE, then going into customer success. And my VP at the sales said, like, here's the thing, within customer success, it's all about making the customer happy. That's kind of the ethos that they had behind them. And they would be the product experts. They'd show them the new features. They'd make them really excited and make customers advocates. Um, however, what we were going through as a startup was we didn't really have a commercial mindset within the team. So the team <laughs> used to look at AEs as like, yeah, you're the guys that throw stuff over the fence and then we have to fix it. Yeah. And they said, Neil, you're, you've never thrown over a customer. And if anything, you annoy the CS people because you was always in every kickoff call, review call and QBR. Because I genuinely cared about the customers. And, I, I, you know, if I sold them something, I wanted to see them like, like be successful with it. Um, and the sales skills, I learned BDR, SDR and AE. So, you know, how to 
find different stakeholders within the business if we're looking for upsell opportunities. Uh, bringing together stakeholder meetings to give them updates and qu uh, quarterly business reviews and talk about the ROI of the solution that they've purchased, being that tech expert of showing them new product roadmap features, but then again, being that closer when it comes up for renewal uh, and then trying to do the upsell um, and being a social sniper on LinkedIn to see has any other people joined the organization, do they need any extra licenses? All of those things help me be a better customer success uh, manager with, with my book of business. And I used to be freaking proud. I had had like 40 accounts with me. <clears throat> uh, and on average, I, I think I had about 105% retention rate within my book of business. I was super proud of it. And, you know, kind of, uh, this might be a bit cheeky, but you know, like that physiotherapist life, like you're now that physiotherapist at Passport to like ease in those customers, make them feel happy with the solution that they've got. You know, you're, you're, you're helping keep a healthy account. That, that's yeah. what you're going to be doing. And I think it's, it's a great journey definitely to go in. So again, and being the first one of that, you're going to be able to build up that process from scratch again. And then when there's future account managers coming in, they're going to be looking to you and you're definitely making a big impact in, in a startup environment. So I'm so A, proud of you and B, so happy for you, Thank you. Uh, and wish you all the best success on it because it is a freaking cool ride. Um, uh, so obviously we're coming towards the end of the show and it's a, a pertinent question I ask all of our guests, Elise, which is, you know, either give us three tips, uh, if you were to give advice to a former younger version of yourself, who's just about to embark on this journey, but you also do have the choice of giving three bits of advice to your future self, which way are you going to go today? Oh, because there's a lot of SDRs, uh, probably listening to this. I hope I'm probably going to give the three takeaways for them and that's going to be helpful for them. Um, far away. Yeah, I think I think the number one thing um, that I was thinking about saying is it's it's about try to do more A/B testing, and I know that's very much a marketing thing to do, but try to incorporate more of that within your sales process. And what what I mean by that is I think salespeople are, are guilty of not doing this as much, where we measure our success and our failure. So when you are doing certain messaging out to your prospects, or you're making certain cold calls, emails, what type of content you put on LinkedIn measure what's actually working and 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 repeat that if it is and if it's not working change things so that you're, you're actually learning from what you're doing instead of just you know sending out 100 emails on tuesday and being like oh i've got no responses let's just send out another 100 of those exact emails on friday to see what happens i think try to incorporate more of the a b testing into your role so that you're able you're actually able to show us um, what kind of success and failure you've had within the role. I think that's um, a really good one, I, I think, that, that I, I, I tried to do. Um, another one, I think, is, I think this one's such a common one, but it's, it's just be resilient and, and keep going. I think an SDR role, when you, can, when you get into the role at the beginning, it can, it can be quite difficult because sales is such a, like, it, it's, a, it's a series of peaks and troughs where we've got, like, periods of times where you might have weeks on weeks where you're not booking any meetings, you're doing all the hard work, but there's nothing coming back in return or... Mm -hmm versus you know other months where you're booking 10 meetings a week and it's the best time ever and you think you're on a you're on a sick high because everything's going so well for you but it's it's being able to deal with those times where you're actually not being as, as successful just being able to be resilient have that grit um to be able to say you know what i i'm obviously need to change something to make sure i'm getting better next time instead of instead of you know getting into your your shell and thinking what am i doing wrong this job is not for me i need to move on to a different different job i think 
Yeah, that, that's one that's probably really, really important because a lot of salespeople can give up when it's not going so great. But you have to remember that it, it's never going to be it's never going to be skyrocket all the time. And I think yeah. if you learn how to build that resilience, if you're able to handle those objections, again, you can use that in, in your personal life as well. And um, yeah, I think I think that's it. Um, I think they're the tips. Definitely. So I absolutely love that. So agree. Like A-B testing, like keep changing it up, check out what's working, stats like, you know, you could run, te- like initially I used to say like run tests on sequences and messaging like over a quarter period so that give you a good data sample. But I remember one of our guests, uh, Azana Hadith, said like, you know what, even make it shorter than that. If it's running for two or three weeks, check that out, like throw people into different like uh, sequences and messaging and see what resonates and then take the best practices and then put them out there. And resilience, 100%. So it's a tip that I give to a lot of SERs. You're constantly faced with rejection. You're hit with objections. You get people that aren't interested. You get people that put the phone down. And it can hurt you emotionally, and you can take sometimes take that on personally. And you have to kind of learn, well, by going through those hard grievances, that's what will make you have a thicker skin and you know, not take it personally as much. Because once you get used to the 10th objection or the 50th person that says, Pee off. We don't want to talk to you. You're kind of like, okay, cool. You know, like you'll, you'll find that person and it's a case of like, you know, marching on. So I think those are some great tips for, for anybody out there, both new and old and existing. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today, Elisa. So, um, again, a reminder for our listeners and our watchers. If you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, if it's Spotify, Apple or Amazon, please make sure you give us a rating and share this episode so it can help inspire other SDRs out there. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure you comment, like and subscribe by hitting the button below. But Elise, for anybody that would like to get in touch with you to pick your brain, would it be OK if we contact you through LinkedIn? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if anyone's looking to get into the SDR space, um, definitely reach out to me. And if you're interested to talk more about Passport and and work with us, because we do have a great sales team, feel free to reach out to me. 100%. So for the listeners and watchers, I'll put uh, Elise's LinkedIn profile in here. And for a first time, I'll actually put in Passport's uh, website if you want to check out the careers, because I'm all about helping out SDR. So thank you so much. Well, Elisa, I wish you a great weekend ahead. Thank you for being a superb guest and hopefully maybe we can get you back on in the future. Uh, But again, thank you so much and happy selling. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. It was great chatting to you. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to sdrdiscocall, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR BDR, MDR or ADR and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board.